What's going on guys? It's Nick here, back with another video. It's Saturday, so time to go over my favorite plays this week. We had a dominant week one going nine and one with our only loss being Elijah Mitchell and he would have gone over by halftime. Of course, he gets hurt. That's what Elijah Mitchell seems to always do. But we also hit on our 20 to one bet, meaning that if you, you know, followed these bets for like the entire season, you just bet all the ones last week, bet them for the rest of the season, you're probably already locked in to profitability for the rest of the season. Now, I'd say we maybe need to hit on like one more of the 20 to one bets, but you know, we've got what, 17 more weeks to try and do that. So I've got another one for you today. Hopefully we can make it back to back. Odds are pretty low that we're gonna hit on back to back 21 bets. But given, you know, how we're going about these, I think we have a much better chance than average. If you're not signed up yet for underdog, you missed out big time last week, but that's okay. Uh, we'll go over my favorite bets for week two today. If you wanna sign up for a new account, just use promo code FFA. They'll match your first deposit up to $100, that is a free $100 that you can use on these picks, different picks on the website, different picks that you think, whatever you wanna do with it, your money, you can choose to spend it how you'd like. I also have like 20 more bets on the website, so if you don't like ones in this video, you can look there. And then I also have detailed projections. You can say, oh, hey Nick, I like this player, I wanna see exactly what you have for their projection. You can see that on my website, The Fence Football Advice, Dot com. Also, I am sorry if some of these lines do move when it gets to you guys. If you're watching this at like one o'clock on Saturday, you got to know that not only are a bunch of people who watch this video going to bet these props, but I post these for subscribers on the website first. And so if a lot of them take advantage, underdog is going to notice that and move the line. So understand that's the case. Uh, but again, you can see exactly what I have for the projection. So if the line moves up like three, you know exactly what to do. So we're gonna start off with the 20 to one bet right away. We talked last week about predicting game environments, expecting ourselves to hit on five different outcomes is extremely hard to do, right? Like if we, even if we think we're better than your average you know, user, it's very difficult to say here are five different things that I think are all gonna happen, all gonna go right, and then for all of that to come true. That's really hard to do, and that's why you know sports books, sites like Underdog, they make a killing on these props because people think they're way better than they are. But if we think we can find a game environment that we think will play out a certain way, and all we have to do really is hit on that one prediction and that's going to make a bunch of other things go our way then that's the best thing to do this week i think miami at baltimore is the one that we should be attacking i am not saying that this game is going to be like 30 to 34. it could be i would say it's probably not going to be it's probably going to be lower scoring than that but what i am saying is miami ranked first in pass rate over expectation week one Baltimore ranked seventh and neither of those outcomes should be overly surprising to any of us. Baltimore wants to run the ball more this season, but Gus is on the IR. And even if Dobbins plays this week, I have to record this on Thursday because I'm traveling on Friday. So I don't know. I don't have like hundred percent clarity on his status, but even if he does end up playing, they're not going to want to overload him. It's not like he's going to go out there in week one. Oh, look, there's 20 carries for J.K. Dobbins, right? Probably not going to happen. 
So they're not going to have Gus. They'll have a limited Dobbins at best. And behind that, they don't trust Drake. They don't trust Mike Davis to go out there and get them wins, especially against non-Jets opponents, right? They could have easily beaten the Jets however they wanted to last week. Not exactly the same thing for the Dolphins. Dolphins are a much better team. So we should expect both of these teams to have thrown the ball and to continue throwing the ball more than the public thinks they're going to. We look at Miami. They're set up to be a pass-first offense. They went out and they got Tyreek Hill to pair with Jalen Waddle. They end up paying Chase Edmonds, a pass-catching back, to be their lead back. Like Again, on average, these two teams are going to throw it at a higher rate than normal. And since passing is not only more efficient, but also leads to more stopped clocks, so when you get games where both teams are running it a ton, the clock just keeps going and going and going and never stops. Well, if teams are throwing it a lot, you're going to get occasional incompletions, stops the clock, leads to potentially higher plays, higher plays leads to overs being hit for passing. So I think there's a potential, at least a higher potential than the public thinks for this game to shoot out. And so the overs that we are taking are Tua over 249 and a half passing yards, Tyreek Hill over 67 and a half receiving yards, Lamar Jackson over 217 passing yards, Rashad Bateman, over 42 and a half receiving yards. If you want to go all in, make this one five, you can add in Mark Andrews, 61 and a half passing yards, receiving yards, obviously. Mark Andrews, 61 and a half receiving yards, over. Um, and if you want to replace that with Bateman, maybe you're not 100% sure on the roll for Bateman. You're like, Nick, I agree it should have been dropped. He had the one lucky long touchdowns, wouldn't have hit before that. I'm completely fine with that. So if you want to flip-flop those two, that's okay. That's on you, whatever you want to do. But I would just bet the over in this game for those specific players, not necessarily everyone else. Uh, because again, I think this game is going to be more pass-heavy than people think. Um, one response people have is that they're concerned about the defenses. The Both of them have really strong defenses. This could be like a defensive game. Uh, two things there. One, that's why the props are lower. Underdog is accounting for that already, so it's already baked in to the lines. And two, we don't really care if we're wrong. Like, obviously, we lose the bet, right? We lose the bet if we're wrong. We lose the 20 to 1. But it's a 20 to 1, right? Instead of trying to hit on five different outcomes, why can't we just say, I think this game is more pass-heavy than people think. And if that happens, there's a decent chance we hit on all five of these bets. And I don't need to be right 75% of the time here, it's a 20 to 1 bet. Even if I'm only right, you know, 15% of the time, we're going to be massively profitable over time. So we're taking those. But how about some other ones? If you don't like that, you don't agree with me, that is completely fine. Here are some other ones that you could do. Michael Thomas, over 54 and a half receiving yards. They said that he was limited to around 30 snaps last week. He played 37, so went a little bit over. Whenever they say that, it really just depends on how the player looks. He clearly looked good. He was playing well. They put him out there a little bit more. I would expect him to play a little bit more every single week. That was 61% of the snaps. Maybe we see him get up to 70, 75% this week. Also, the Saints are taking on the Bucs. And while that means lower efficiency, Bucs have a good defense, it sets up a game where the Saints, a team that is going to want to go a little bit more past than people think this season, is going to have to do even that even more so this week because you're not going to be able to run on the box. So if they were already planning on going kind of pass-heavy in general, they're definitely going to have to against Tampa Bay. Another play I like 
is Waller, over 51 and a half receiving yards. And this one feels like a joke to me, honestly. Like, I don't know why this one is so low. Uh, the Raiders are home versus the Cardinals, who just got embarrassed by the Chiefs. They let Kelsey walk all over them. Now, Derek Carr is not Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Darren Waller is not Travis Kelsey. So that's why the lines are different. But the Cardinals' defense is so bad that, you know, Derek Carr might look like Patrick Mahomes on Sunday. Uh, this past week, Waller had four receptions, 79 yards on six targets. That was also in a game where Adams commanded like a 47%, I believe, target share. Don't quote me on that one, but it was 17 targets. The dude had 17 targets, and Waller still had 79 receiving yards against a much better defense. As long as the Cardinals can keep this game somewhat close. We're not looking for a tie. We're not even looking for like a three or a seven point difference. Just keep this game competitive the whole way through. Waller is going to be involved enough, going to just shred this defense to where 51 and a half, he's going to hit that over far more than 50% of the time. I'm also intrigued about a double stack here of Elijah Moore and Marty Cooper. Now I talked about both of them last week in like the wide receiver starts its video being like, I don't love this game, to be honest. And I think in like in season-long fantasy, I don't think you even need to play Elijah Moore or Mari Cooper. But, one, I think that both are talented enough to hit their overs even in relatively poor matchups. And two, if this game were to end up playing faster than we think, there's no way these two don't hit their over. So Elijah Moore only needs 48.5 receiving yards over on that. Amari Cooper... 39 and a half receiving yards again they don't need to have 70 they don't need to be great starts they can hit the over here and not be good starts in season-long fantasy football but again if the game plays at any sort of speed other than super super slow which again is what i'm expecting but if it has any sort of play volume they're gonna hit the overs and even if it doesn't they're talented enough to get here in like two receptions right these are really really good players these lines are a little bit too low I would play them together, though, because you don't capture the upside of, oh, this game played faster than we think, or maybe just, you know, there were some long plays and it just, you know, got the game flowing a little bit more. You capture that upside by playing them together. So I wouldn't play them individually. They'd have to be on the same bet. Another play I like, A.J. Dillon, over 71.5 total yards. The Packers are home. They are 10-point favorites. A.J. Dillon had elite usage in week one he handled 59 percent of the carries had a 17 percent target share now maybe the target share is a little bit lower if lazard is back i think he'll be back again a little bit early on this video i don't 100 know if he's back yet uh, but i think he's gonna be back and even projecting for that to happen projecting lazard to return um projecting this team to be winning and thus you know be a little bit more run heavy in the second half I just think it sets up really, really well for them to lean on him late in games. They're going to be winning the fourth quarter. They're going to run the ball a lot. It just sets up like an A.J. Dillon game. In my projections, he has 12 carries, four receptions, 86 total yards. That's 71 and a half. You're taking the over there. The 10th and final one that I like is Joe Mixon over 92 and a half total yards. He had the strongest workload of any running back in week one. 27 carries, 7 receptions on 9 targets. That is 36 potential opportunities. That is monstrous. Now, I'm not projecting that many receptions because they're probably going to be winning in the second half. So you can dial that back a little bit. 
But I think Mixon goes over 100 rushing yards alone. You get to add receiving yards onto this as well. But I think he goes over 100 on the ground this week. Uh, The Bengals have a fantastic offensive line. They should pretty easily be able to beat the Cowboys, be up in the second half. Cowboys don't have Dak. The line's like eight, eight and a half points. Like, since he's going to be winning the second half. And we saw Mixon last week handle 90% of the carries, which make first among all players in week one. Mixon's going to get a billion touches and a great offensive line and a positive game script. He should be able to hit the over in this one. So those are 10 plays I really like this week. Do not expect to go 9-1 every single week. That's you know something that we're probably only going to do one time. But if we think about game environments and we make smart bets, then we're going to be profitable over the long haul. I have about 20 more bets on the website, thefansfootballadvice.com, and I also have the detailed projections. So you can see how things change if, you know, the lines are moving. How does that stack up against my projections? And then if news comes out, how do my projections change based off the news? And if you're not signed up yet for Underdog, I don't know what you're waiting for. Sign up today. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. Again, a free $100 that you can use to place whatever bets you want. So good luck in week two. That, my friends, is the end of this one. Hope you all enjoyed. If you did, how about hitting the like button? And how about subscribing to the channel if you're new here? Thanks for watching.